0: Funding for this edition of Think Tank with Steve Adubato has been provided by Delta Dental of New Jersey. Everyone deserves a healthy smile. The TURL Fund, supporting Reimagined Childcare. RWJ Barnabas Health, the Northward Center, the Port Authority of New York and New Jersey, moving the region through air, land, rail, and sea. Choose New Jersey the Healthcare Foundation of New Jersey, Community Food Bank of New Jersey, and by Prudential Financial, promotional support provided by CIANJ and Commerce Magazine, and by NJ.com, keeping communities informed and connected.
1: Welcome to a very special edition of Think Tank right here on News 12+. We're honored once again to be joined by our longtime higher ed partner and friend, Dr. Ali Hushman, president of Rowan University. Mr. President, how are we doing? You're
2: doing great, Steve. How are you, sir?
1: I'm great. Ten years at Rowan. Uh, You've been the president. Ali, most proud of a lot of things, but one or two that really jump out. And you say, I'm especially proud of those things at Rowan.
2: We had 1,600 employees in 2010. We have 4,200 people, but and it gives, it gives me great joy that that many people pay their mortgages and live and, and and put food on the table. That's, the that's, a Ali, that's, that's a big deal. A, what's that feel mm-hmm. like to know,
1: with all the challenges, COVID. I'm not even going to say post-COVID. We're taping this in May, uh, 2022. I don't know what post-COVID means. All the challenges, all the struggles. That's very rewarding to know that you are employing people and impacting their families and quality
2: of lives. Go ahead. It is the greatest feeling because to me, Steve, a good life, a person who can say I had a good life would be a person who impacts another person's life for the better. And if you can do it for so many people, it's the greatest joy. And I really truly believe that. And for me, it's a gift because I received the gift of becoming the citizen of this great country. And I love this country with my all, my heart. And, and I really wanted to, do something to constantly remind people that, look, immigrants can really be helpful, can be a good citizen, can really acclimate and become part of you. They're not here to change you. They are here to be changed. They're here to become better. And, and really, so that to me, this, this, this is the motivation. This is what I do. I don't do it for me. I really don't care any, any naming opportunities, any awards or any rewards, none of that. But the very fact that I can feel that I'm paying back for what I've received, which is absolutely priceless. Is, is a good feeling.
1: Uh, well said, Dr. Ali Hushman, the president of Rowan University. This is a think tank right here on News 12. Plus. Dr. Hushman and the team at Rowan have been longtime higher ed partners of ours, and they're doing really important things there. Ali, all the best, and another however many years you choose to be there. Thank you, my friend. Thank you, sir. Bye-bye. You got it. I'm Steve Arbato. This is Think Tank. Here it is. Hi, I'm Steve Adubato. We kick off this program with our longtime friend and higher ed partner, Dr. Ali Hushman, president of Rowan University. Good to see you, Mr. President.
2: Good to see you as well, sir. Glad to be with you.
1: Absolutely. Is it not a fact that you are celebrating, as we speak, 10 years as president? Yes, sir. Does it seem longer or
2: shorter? Oh, oh, it's a long, long hundred, 10 years. It's, I was going to say it's long, long-handed years, then I realized that it's no 10 years. Yeah, it is. Uh, and you know, Steve, being a college president, especially now, because you know you are basically the protectorate, the most precious assets that people can have, their children. And that's an enormous responsibility. And, and if anything happens to any one of them, of course, is of ma- monumental concern, you think that you have failed. And so, being in this position and worrying about that, worrying about budget, worrying about, you know, people showing up to work, uh, remote work, you know, all sorts of issues that we deal with on a daily basis. uh, You know, those are the challenges. And it makes us strong, but (laughs) sometimes exhausted. You know, one of the things I,
1: and and I, I mentioned you are one of our higher ed, Rowan is one of our higher ed partners, excuse me. One of the things that I'm struck by is, is, and I I was teasing you about this in a good way before we got on the air. Always something new going on, particularly around partnerships, collaboration. Uh, Question, there's a federal workforce training grant that has come to Rome. What is it and why is it so important?
2: It is very important because what has happened, Steve, forever, for recent, I would say, the past 30 years or so in this country, every single individual have assumed that in order to be successful, you have to go and get a four-year college degree rather than getting a dignified, well-paying job that can sustain you. And as a result, you know, we have got this massive $19 million undergraduates, 11 of whom are, you know, on campuses, And everybody wants to get a baccalaureate degree. And when you go to places like county colleges where you you train electricians and plumbers and HVACs and electricians and all these trades and other crafts that the country desperately needs, we don't do that because people look down at those things. And I think the role of the higher education, including senior universities, including research universities, should be the following. How, what is my responsibility towards the economy of my country and my, my, my state? And I need to do my very best to be an asset there because my sole responsibility is to tra- train the future of America. If that is my job, then I have to make sure that who I train fits what the needs are. And I think we need to start really thinking that way. Come down from that ivory tire. There's nothing wrong with Rowan to do a PhD in molecular biology and have a medical school and at the same time work in trades. Nothing wrong. It doesn't insult me. And I think we should get to that attitude.
1: It's so interesting you talk about this because there there are a lot of people who question. We did an interview with Gary. Uh, Vanderchuk, who is uh, an entrepreneur, and people talk a lot about him, and he's been a great guest for, of ours. And he has questioned it. Now, I'm a big advocate of higher education. I've been part of that world. Our, our son's about to go to college as we speak. We have another son in college. Uh, but the reason I say that is uh, Gary V, as he's called, was questioning the value. And I'm not going to get into a philosophical debate about the value of, of college education, but what you're talking about is changing what that education has been historically, and also along those lines, environmental initiatives that you and the university have been involved in. That is more tied, not just to the environment and sustainability, but the jobs and the, the marketplace future, yes. of tomorrow. Talk about it, Dr. hushman
2: Yes, exactly, look at, look at the future. If, if, to me, the future of the economy of the world circles around having enough water, having enough energy packaged in the smallest package as possible, and having a reliable healthcare for people to, to function. These are the areas that are gonna be growing and all of them are directly, and the other one of course is food production. All of them directly or indirectly impacting the, the environment. And we need to use technology to produce these things in such a way that does not deplete the environment further than it has done. Because as, as a citizen, by myself, I cannot believe anybody who thinks that environmental issues and concerns are hoax? I just, it's hard for me to believe. But that. you
1: hear it, Dr. Hoochman. How do you deal with that when you hear it?
2: Well, you have to do. You have to show example and try to keep on educating and debating in a very civilized and a very nice manner to really convince through real example what what the what the situation is. And I think part of it is because you know sometimes people tend to get the news mu- news from certain sources rather than from from all the sources. I myself really watch everything. I have no problem watching CNN versus Fox versus this and 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 reading various newspaper. PBS,
1: PBS is your favorite you've told me this personally.
2: Yes, Yes, it is. (laughs) Yes.
1: Yes. I'm sorry, a shameless plug for public broadcasting. I'm sorry. Pick up your point, Ali.
2: So what I'm saying is that I think we need to, we need to start looking at these kind of issues a lot more and look at the, the areas of environmental concern. Uh, through through the new degree programs that we produce. Right now, for example, Rowan University is very involved in modern agriculture and food production. As part of the uh, sustainability, we are actually hiring a professor in that area. We have just already hired a farmer We have, I actually am a farmer. I grow about two acres of land where I grow peppers as well as food. And I box these things and we deliver it to a community, to neighborhood for free over the summer. Last year we did 11,000 pounds. This year it's gonna be significantly more. But through that I hire the students. I teach them what it takes to grow food so that they can literally see it from seed to, to eat. And when they see this kind of thing and they try to understand what it takes to grow a pound of tomato and what are the better and more creative way for them to start researching to find a better way, so that less water can be used, less less energy can be used, and produce better yield and more nutrition. These are the kind of things that we need to teach our future generation. Ali, let me ask you something. When
1: you talk to your colleagues, other university and college presidents, and you talk the way you're speaking right now about mm-hmm. the need to evolve, adapt, pivot, innovate, Et cetera, et cetera, Not just with rhetoric, but in, in reality, you're doing that. Mm-hmm. Do you, are, are they mostly
2: supportive or are they like, what's up with this guy? Well, they're they're mixed up both. They're, I mean, I have heard a lot of what's up, what's up with this guy, and and it's okay, uh, and, and 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 I don't blame them because you know it is it is kind of out of the box sometimes crazy ideas that you've got
1: in the academy. These exactly. Are so exactly. Sorry, exactly.
2: Are but but I've got many of my colleagues who really are thinking the same kind of issues. They are, they are they are very creative. They they worry about this thing. They spend their lives doing this thing, and as a result, they also consider these issues. What are the challenges? Because they see this happening in front of us. Stay and you got to stay relevant. We have to. We have no choice. If in today's world, if you don't stay relevant, you just go away. It's the
1: same thing, too, for us in broadcasting, and public broadcasting. Exactly, exactly. Can I get this real quick? The Sweeney Center for Public Policy, 30 seconds, please.
2: It's a public policy that is purely academic. It's part of the Department of Political Science. Mr. Sweeney, the only role that he has, he chairs the advisory committee, yes, former Senate president, he's a chair of an advisory committee. He has no office on our campus. He's not on any pay. The only thing that we do, we genuinely, truly trying to do bipartisan research through papers that we publish for people to judge. That's really what I see. That's what I've committed to. And we wanted to do that three years ago. We applied for a grant, we didn't get it. And this has happened right now. I think we have that opportunity to make something because Rowan has grown in all areas. And I think this is an area that we need to truly become a center of providing good information to, to policymakers. And that's really what I would like to have.
1: Now, so let me also say Rowan was, I believe, sponsored one of the one of the gubernatorial debates was at Rowan, if yes. I'm not mistaken, yes, put together with our partners, I believe, at, at public television as well. Uh, Ali Hushman, Dr. Ali Hushman is the president of Rowan University, uh, 10 years there. Ali, thank you so much for joining us and being one of our higher ed partners. Thank you. Thank you, sir, it was a pleasure, thank you, bye-bye. You got it, stay with us, we'll be right back.
0: To see more Think Tank with Steve Adubato programs and to listen to Think Tank with Steve Adubato, the podcast, visit us online at steveadubato.org. If you would like to express an opinion, Email us at info at caucusnj.org. Find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash PhD. And follow us on Twitter at SteveAdubato.
1: We are pleased to be joined by Dr. Sidney Whitman, president of Dental Lifeline Network, New Jersey board. Good to see you, Dr. Whitman. My pleasure. Dr. We we've done a fair amount of work around oral health, and people say, "Oh, you do a lot of stuff on oral health." But oral health is clearly connected to our overall health. Help people help people understand that.
3: Well, what happens is the the, the mouth is the gateway to the rest of your body. If you're if you're not healthy orally, you're not healthy with the rest of your body. There's certain uh, relationships between cardiovascular disease, diabetes, uh, things like that. So, if people who uh, have good oral health are more likely, there's, there's a better correlation between your cardiac health and you do better if you have diabetes and things like that. It's because they're all inflammatory processes.
1: So Dr. Whitman, the impact of COVID on our overall oral health, A, is it fair to say that, that too many of us put it to the side because of COVID? There's so many other, we can't do oral health, but A, that is that true and B, What are the implications of that?
3: Well, it's very true. They put it to the side. And then as a result, little problems became big problems. Also, as a result, when the dental offices were closed for a period of about 10 weeks, there became a backlog of of patients. And with that, with homeschooling and things like that, that had to, uh, you know, remote learning, uh, many staff had to stay home once the offices opened. And therefore, the offices were not and still are not staffed. At the, to the same level they were staffed previously, pre-COVID. And that, that has com- combined with some other things to uh, really exacerbate some deficiencies in our health system.
1: Dr. Whitman, donated dental services for New Jersey and Connecticut. What is it? Because, uh, and I've read about it, it's very important, particularly for people with disabilities and the elderly, but be more specific, and we'll put up a website so people can find out more. Go ahead. Uh,
3: Dental Lifeline Network provides comprehensive care for people who are medically uh, compromised, fragile, uh, not permanent disabilities, not able to get the care that they need through the ordinary systems that are available, and it works quite well. In New Jersey, we've been in it since its inception, since approximately 1988. We, believe it or not, we've done more than $26 million worth of free dental care, over 9,000 patients. And it's, it's, the den, it's all volunteer. It's free. Where does the money come from, Dr. Whitman? Uh, Delta Dental has been a significant partner with us. The state of New Jersey has contributed significant amount of funds. And the, uh, the various dental agencies have contributed funds. To this. I mean, we've actually asked the Dental Societies in New Jersey Dental to pitch in some money so we can keep this program alive, and they've all willingly done it. So we, we have they a have? lot of
1: fun. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, remind people, Dr. Whitman, who exactly
3: is being helped by this? Medically fragile people, people with compre- that need comprehensive care, elderly people, uh, people who are with permanent disabilities, and... You know, you think of it mostly as older people, but I'm a pediatric dentist. That's my background, and I see, I've seen children through this program that have severe disabilities that somehow have fallen through the cracks and they couldn't get the help. So it's, it's in many instances, it's life-saving. I mean, I'm involved with patients that needed heart surgery, but in order to get the heart surgery, uh, they had to be cleared dentally and have their any dental infections taken care of before you can have heart surgery. You know, and so it's, it's a it's a very worthwhile program. And it it's just wonderful. We have over 600 volunteer dentists in New Jersey they, who actually see patients, absolutely well, what, volunteer.
1: I put up a website. I'm sorry for interrupting, Dr. Whitman. If someone who is, is a dentist or or knows of a dentist who they think uh, can be helpful, we'll put up a website. What do they do? They just volunteer and then people in their community go to them. They go to the people. How does that work?
3: Well, we have, a, a, a for want of a better term, a clearinghouse. We have two people just about full time who they apply for the, pro- the, the p- potential patients apply for the program and these dental coordinators uh, find a dentist in their area that can treat them that has the ability to treat them and they make the necessary referrals and then they find the dental lab that's if it, if it requires a dental laboratory for prosthetic work uh, they find a lab that's willing to provide that care for free we have over a hundred labs in New Jersey and a few that are outside of New Jersey that actually provide that care. And the dentist, and we're still, listen, we get over 300 applications a year for, from potential uh, clients for this program. So there's a, there's a, there is a there's a waiting list uh, because it takes a while to coordinate everything, sure. but, but we're, we're, we're doing a pretty good job. I will say that. And this is a national organization. We're the, the New Jersey component. Before I let you go, Dr.
1: Uh, and you're reminding me, every time I do a, a program on or a segment on oral health, it reminds me that I'm scheduled for a checkup and a <laughs> cleaning, right? It, it does. It really does. But to that end, people's fear, not all of us, some of us, many of us, have a fear of dentists, of going to the dentist. How are we doing on that?
3: we I know I only have you? about 30 seconds left, but okay. how are we doing on that? Uh, okay, we're doing better than we were. I'll, I will tell you this, certainly... COVID put some fear in people, but we know that that those fear you're safer in a dental office than you are out in the public for all practical purposes. We have a better record in the dental offices than you do in your supermarket. But uh, we start as a pediatric dentist, we start our patients no later than age one. And we we take that fear away from them. That's what it is. We do prevention and, and programming in such a way that it makes it fun to go to the dentist. There he is. He's Dr. Sidney Whitman, president of of
1: Dental Lifeline Network, New Jersey Board. Good to see you, Dr. Whitman. Thanks so much. My pleasure. Thanks. Stay with us. We'll be right back.
0: To see more Think Tank with Steve Adubato programs and to listen to Think Tank with Steve Adubato, the podcast, visit us online at steveadubato.org. If you would like to express an opinion, email us at info at Find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Steve Ph.D. And follow us on Twitter at Steve We're
1: pleased to be joined by Peter Rosario, who is president and CEO of a great organization in Brick City, North New Jersey. It is La Casa de Don Pedro. You'll see the website up. Peter, good to see you, my friend.
4: Great seeing you again, Steve. Thank you so much for having us.
1: You got it. While the website is up, tell everyone what La Casa is and why it's so significant, particularly for citizens in
4: and around the city of Newark. La Casa is uh, essentially the largest Latinx-led agency in the state of New Jersey. Started as a place-based CDC in the lower Broadway neighborhood when uh, we had a bunch of uh, child care moms joined with a community activist named Ramon Herrera. Um found the agency in the in, in the wake of the riots and turbulent times rebellion
1: of uh, 1967 and as a very young kid in newark i remember ramon and the work that he did so then i'm sorry
4: yes yeah so exactly I, and, and and essentially basically fighting for the rights of a latinx population then and obviously with our black brothers and sisters fighting to make Newark the best place to live, and and, and that led to us being a multifaceted, uh, you know, one thing I would always say, there isn't isn't a solution that, that we don't like to take on, right? So we do AIDS work, we do weatherization, we do early childhood education, we do after school enrichment program, we do mental health services, workforce development, welfare to work, those kinds of things.
1: And Along those lines, uh, Peter, you know that we're doing a series, uh, an ongoing series for several years called Reimagine Child Care, and La Casa yes. has been very involved um, in the child care situation and the crisis, if you will, of affordable, accessible child care. As we put up the Reimagine Childcare website, let me ask you, the impact of COVID on affordable, accessible, quality child care. Peter Rosario, go ahead.
4: In a word, Devastating. I think it's it's it, it can't be understated. We have a crisis in our state, and it's going to take a whole of government and philanthropy, and the social sector, educational sector to rebuild it. You know, we're we're lucky. I hate to say lucky that we're back up to eighty percent of enrollment, and we're probably one of the better ones in the city and in the state. And I think it's it's an ongoing situation. Um, wraparound services need to be reinstated and fully funded to make sure that parents have a full work day, not the school day. We know that for our youngest parents, three o'clock is just not enough. So I think, it, it, you know, and, and I would say this every, if you see a child care worker, you should thank them. If you have a child care worker, I've done this work for 25 years, did it in the heart of nine 11 and Flushing Queens. When, when, when when things were 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 bad there, but this is the worst year that childcare professionals have had throughout the state in terms of dealing with the issues with our youngest learners, in terms of equity, in terms of mental health, in terms of physical health and well-being. So I think we really, you know, I, I know we always say thank a firefighter, thank a nurse. Like I think we got to put child care think workers. A child so care can, worker, professional. Right, thank a child care yeah. worker.
1: Hey Peter, try this. Um, we've talked a lot about um, we're well over two years into this pandemic in the spring and going to the summer of 2022. So I'm curious, Lacas has been very involved in promoting, advocating vaccines. What kind of progress have we made? A, particularly in, the, in uh, communities of color and B, how far behind are we even now?
4: That, that's a great question. I think two prongs to it first we should celebrate. This is by far the fairest and most equitable access to a vaccine that has ever happened in the history of this country. Right. There was And there they was haven't a, always been fair and equitable, but go ahead. Right. And that's the whole right. I think we need to start with with the positive, the headline. I think La Casa and agencies who had that boots on the ground, the trusted voice. Um, really were the ones who, who had to build trust in the vaccine Because as we know, people of color, rightfully so, are very skeptical of vaccines. Our, our approach was a little bit different at La Casa, even for our employees. And I think if, if, if I had to, to put a stamp on, on what our success story was, we got to 95% vaccination rate of our staff without threatening to fire people. We had to put How'd you do that, operation- Peter? How'd you do that?
1: You didn't make it mandatory. You didn't say we're going to fire you. How did you do that? How did you encourage and get those high
4: numbers? So I had to send out all the official notifications, right, for Head Start and when the si- so I, I did those, but I also followed them up with, uh, hey, we're going to work with you on this. We had staff meetings, we had town hall. I went one on one to meet with people. I can tell you, I, I had folks. I did a raffle that I gave out. $1,000 gift cards to five of our, to five of our staff, $500 gift cards to thank them. I could tell you that even after that, I had, uh, you know, one of our staff who's an aunt said, I'm a firm anti-vaxxer. I do not believe this works, but you've respected us. You've treated us with dignity. You haven't vilified us. So I'm going to do this because I want to keep my job. I want to, and, and I, and I believe in what La Casa is doing in terms of balancing the right approach. Is it going to was it perfect? No, but I think it really uh, this is one of those where we measured twice and cut once in terms of not firing people early on. And I think it paid off in terms of building trust. And again, my my my, sen- my sentiment to the staff always is our staff, our, our colleagues, are our first customers. So if we can't do this yeah. in a fair fashion with them, then how can we expect them to go out in the community and do it fairly?
1: Peter, i got about a minute left, and I'm going to open up Pandora's box here, but the issue of immigration, huge issue in our state, in our region, in our nation, particularly for an organization like La Casa, for for the people you serve, many of them are not legal citizens. They are just people in need, people in the community. To what degree has
4: that situation been exacerbated through the pandemic? Do, do I have to say devastating again? Uh, you know, I, I think it's- a You're recovery. the one doing the work, Peter. Not right? me, I,
1: you're
4: doing it. Uh, you know, uh, there are neighbors, there are friends, there are business owners. We have to get over the vilification of immigrants. This state, by and large, is one of the richest states in the country, if not the richest. And it is largely due to the immigrant population and making sure they feel welcome and on their labor. So everything we need to do, the right, the the excluded New Jersey funds, it needs to be extended. We need to add more money to that. We need to continue learning the lessons we learned in terms of food access and everything to support families and keep them going.
1: I'll let you go on this. How much is it still as challenging as it's always been or even more so to raise money to keep La Casa going? I know that we have to do it 24-7 here at the caucus education corporation and in public broadcasting. Go ahead, no money no mission. Go.
4: Yeah. I think we need to support the extraordinary support that people extended generosity for COVID. We need them to keep it going, right? Okay. We we were blessed to have new time one-time donors. We hope they become sustaining donors. I think if you open your pocketbook a little extra for COVID, keep in mind that if you can keep that in your budget, we need to keep those funds going because it, it now is the economic pandemic. That's what's starting now.
1: And the people that are disproportionate. listen, we've all been affected by COVID, but, but the, the reality is the people that La Casa serves are disproportionately affected. It's worse. It just is for a million reasons. Peter uh, Rosario, President and CEO of La Casa de Don Pedro uh, in Newark, New Jersey. Good to see you, Peter. Talk soon. Thank you. Uh, I'm Steve Adubato. That's Peter. And thank you so much for watching. We'll see you
0: next time. To see more Think Tank with Steve Adubato programs and to listen to Think Tank with Steve Adubato, the podcast, visit us online at steveadubato.org. If you would like to express an opinion, email us at info at caucusnj.org. Find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash PhD. And follow us on Twitter at steveadubato. Think Tank with Steve Adubato has been a production of the Caucus Educational Corporation. Funding has been provided by Delta Dental of New Jersey, the Turrell Fund, supporting Reimagine Childcare, RWJ Barnabas Health, The Northward Center, The Port Authority of New York and New Jersey. Choose New Jersey, the Healthcare Foundation of New Jersey, Community Food Bank of New Jersey. And by Prudential Financial. Promotional support provided by CIANJ and Commerce Magazine. And by NJ.com.